0: Plum, and I am your host of A Pit and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to The Coaching Staff, episode number 46, and we are back and better than ever. Our schedule's a little bit backwards this week. Uh, I had a lot of program stuff last week, so uh, we are going to do, we're going to drop the coaching, I forgot to tell you this, Tony, we're dropping this right after we're done. So just letting you know oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so... I'm going to edit it. In a half hour, it's going to be out into the world here. So we are taping this on Monday morning, July the 3rd. You're going to be hearing this on Monday morning, July the 3rd, hopefully. And then later on in the week, I will have an interview podcast ready to go. we got some stuff set up and ready to roll, so we are good to go there. Uh, Episode number 46, and what parents want from their coaches. But before we get into that, Tony... Number 46. You're going to find this hard to believe. There's not a lot of many players who wore the number 46. Um, I'm sitting here trying to think, and I cannot think of a one. Okay, well, I've got two, and I believe they're both in the Hall of Fame. Both of them are pitchers. Uh, One of them was a starter. The other of them was a closer.
1: Let's go Mariano Rivera.
0: That is incorrect.
1: Ooh, I don't even remember what his number is, but he sounded like a good
0: one to go with. Uh, The Closer. How about this? The Closer, his most notable days as a Closer was with my beloved Chicago Cubs.
1: Lee Smith.
0: There you go, sir. That is one of them. (gasps) There is one of them. Uh, The other one is a well-traveled starting pitcher. I believe... Let me make sure I have this correct. Uh I believe he had a brother who was also a major league pitcher.
1: It wasn't one of the Necros, was it?
0: Uh good guess. Incorrect.
1: Uh, Hernandez? Wasn't there like a but he no he wouldn't he wasn't he didn't meet the other requirements, so he's not gonna be. I was thinking El Duque or whatever the pitch for the Yankees.
0: Nope. Um yeah, I'm god this guy was a lot better. Uh he uh his he won 300 games. His brother won 200 games. They both won the Cy Young. Okay. Huh,
1: huh, huh. Um shoot. 300, brother won 200. Cy Young.
0: Famous for the spitball. Gaylord Perry. There you have it, sir. (laughs) There you have it. Um, He was forty-five when he retired. Dang. Yeah, twenty-two years. Won three hundred and fourteen games. When he retired, he was third in major league history in strikeouts. So, um, yeah, man, five thousand three hundred and fifty innings, fourth all time in innings pitched. Yeah. Uh, last pitcher to throw 300 complete games. So, uh,
1: in today's baseball world, what's that? He wouldn't get to do that in today's
0: baseball world. Absolutely not. No, they they would be shutting him down over and over again. So, yes, Gaylord Perry is our other answer. So, Lee Smith and Gaylord Perry, you got it with a little bit of help there, Tony. So,
1: just a little bit. We had a little bit better uh, synergy today.
0: Yes, there we go. There we go. So, um, Episode number 46, uh, What Parents Want from Their Coaches. And and Mr. Viss is getting good at this whole uh, pseudo-journalism thing. This was uh, Tony's idea. And we want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, and, and I did see this uh, tweet uh, come from a guy named Greg Burge. I, uh, I apologize, Greg, if I mispronounce your name. Uh, his Twitter handle is at GB1121. Uh, and he put out basically a poll of, you know, X amount of parents that were surveyed and what do they want from their coaches, uh, the, the, the people that coach their children. And uh, the top five vote getters were uh, positive role model, show that you care, uh, build up their confidence, give them positive reinforcement, and teach them life lessons. The, the two lowest things were uh, the lowest thing was winning the second lowest thing was playing time. Uh, and so, uh, Tony, I mean, we'll, we'll just kind of go with it. I think, um, I I would like to get to those last two because I, I think that's a little misleading. I, I, that makes me, uh, honestly wonder a little bit about the survey. Um, but I guess if you're supposed, I I don't know if they were ranking things one to 10. I don't know how the data was collected. I know that um, as we discussed off air, uh, one of the things that, that, you know, the biggest thing that people complain about, uh, I tell coaches, 90 to 95% of your parent complaints ultimately come down to playing time and or team placement uh, is is usually where it comes down at. Uh, But, Uh, I I do agree that most parents, and I can speak from my experience as a coach, as a parent, as a parent who watched their children go through coaching experiences uh, and athletic experiences, uh, positive role models show that you care, building up their confidence, positive reinforcement, life lessons. I, I really believe all of those things are what most parents are looking for. They want to see that. And then, of course, they want their kid to play a lot and they want to win as well. Uh, but uh, I don't know, just kind of your initial thoughts on this, Tony, and kind of these these uh, survey results.
1: You know, I look at it, and it's one of those things, and again, I'm, maybe it's the sarcastic, jaded side of me, mm-hmm. um, but I wonder how honest the parents were. Because like you mentioned, the number one complaint of parents, to coaches, is playing time. And on the scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the high, Playing time was five point seven, you know, and so I don't know if they filled it out completely honest, Uh but at the same time, you know, like we, like you mentioned earlier, we don't know some of the standards behind it, some of the different things that are associated with it. Uh, but the other things I do agree with, I mean, I think the parents want someone who is going to be a positive role model in their child's life. I think they want somebody that, that cares about their child. They want somebody who's going to build their, their kids' confidence up that's going to uh, incorporate positive reinforcements. And then the biggest thing that I think that, that, that hopefully student athletes get out of sports is learning life lessons because mm-hmm. there's a lot of great life lessons that that sports teach you and some of those are it's not about you it's about the group and you know when you when you're a part of a family it can't be about you it has to be about your family Mm -hmm. and so i think there's a lot of great lessons that are learned as far as being a part of the team and such but you know i think this is a a very interesting poll Mm -hmm. and one that's got some things in there but but i just i really kind of question the bottom two things you know did they fill it out completely honest honestly because parents want to win they oh. want their kids to you know be a state champion or win a conference championship or win more games than they lose or whatever the case may be um and that one's down at a 4.2 out of 10 so i don't know i i think these like i said there's some very interesting results in here i just don't know if i completely buy everything being being sold here
0: yeah um, well let's go through the top five here Tony I thought we'd we'd kind of at least break that part of it down here um, you know what are ways that we can be a positive role model what are ways that we can show that you care uh, what are ways that we can build up confidence what are ways that we can have positive reinforcement what are ways that we can have life lessons um, and, and I and I will say this Tony um, when when I had my sabbatical I, I think that, there were times, isolated times, where I got probably too wrapped up in the we have to win, we have to win, we have to win, and sometimes let slip a little bit being a positive role model, Uh, building up confidence, you know, those type of things, because it had to be about the win. And I, I think... Uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, there were times where I probably got a little too Belichickian in how I handled some of my personal relationships with players and things like that. And I know that that has been something that I have really, really uh, emphasized and concentrated on much more in coming back into the profession and having my own team, having my own program, is making sure that those type of things stay at the top of the list, and then hopefully the winning and stuff will take care of itself beyond that. So I, I know that I have self-corrected in this way. Now, you still have to make hard decisions, and I've had to make hard decisions already. We're going to have to make more hard decisions as time moves forward. Uh, that's, that's undoubtedly part of the job, part of the gig. You're going to have to make those hard decisions, And no matter how positive you are as a role model, no matter how much you show a player that you care about them as a person and all these other things that are listed at the top of this survey, uh, because you have to make hard decisions, people are going to deem you as not being a positive role model because you had to make a tough decision. So I, I, I think that... Uh, I guess the thing I want to lead with here Tony is um, you can do all of these things and and just because you know we are in the position where we have to choose uh, these are the five people that are on the court, or these are the nine uh, people on the field uh, for baseball or whatever sport you may be coaching that you're listening you know whoever's listening to this um, there are gonna be people that are say well you don't care about my kid because of this and this and this no it ultimately comes down to I just did you know, we can only fit five kids out there or we can only fit nine or 11 or whatever the number may be for your sport. So I think that's something that you have to keep in mind as well. What do you think about that, buddy?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you go through and you take a look, you know, you talk about your sabbatical. I remember going from the head coach to an assistant coach and uh, I went to Mount Vernon for a year. And one of the things that while I was there that just kind of went back to was, Hey, relationships relationships with the kids that's why you got into this because you wanted to build positive relationships with kids and like all of a sudden it just became crystal clear again and i would love to tell you that since that point in time i've done it perfectly uh you know since that point but but there's been some ups and some downs with it but at times with with you know games and competitions and stuff you know we get wrapped up if you're a competitor you want to win mm-hmm. and you just got to continue to remember and remind yourself why did you get into this and like you mentioned you know sometimes people think well you play your favorites no I've, I've had some kids that haven't played before that I've really, really liked a lot yep. and I've had some kids that I put on the floor that you know to be, to be honest not a big fan of but Correct. at the same time you know, we were to put the five best players on the floor that give us a chance to win. And whether or not I like them is, is irrelevant. It's who I thought gave us the best chance to win at that time. Mm-hmm. And so those are things to kind of keep in mind as well. Um, you know, that it's it, people you're going to no matter what you do, you're going to get accused of. This, that, and the other. And so at the end of the day, you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and know that you did your absolute dead-level best. You did the best that you could. You tried to do the best by the kids. And that's just kind of where where the cards fell.
0: Coaches, do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good-looking stuff here. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle, and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin and send me a direct message, or you can email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. So, Tony, how or what are some ways that we can be... A positive role model you know one of the
1: things that i, I try to do and it's not like I, I sit here and advertise it but i try to work really hard at what i do you know uh, the kids get game notes where i go through um, i call them positive game notes because a lot of times in the middle of a game you're about making adjustments you're about getting something corrected and so it's not always positive talk that's coming out of your mouth like hey you need to block out there or, hey you know we're running this play. What were you thinking on that type of thing? Um, and so you've, you've got that. So I do positive game notes. I do scouting reports with them. Uh, practices are planned out. Um, but I really try to make sure I work really, really hard and mm-hmm. because that's what I expect of them. I try not to do anything um, that I wouldn't do of asking them to do it. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, and the other thing that I, I try to do as well is. I try to have, build a relationship with everybody on my team. Yep. Um, we have, I think it's low to mid thirties, signed up to play sophomore basketball next year. Um, it's a lot of kids for one team. Yep. And, but at the same time, you know, I try to build good relationships with all of them, have conversations with them, figure out what their interests are, you know, a little bit about their family, just so you have something to talk about with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, just hard worker, Mm -hmm. build positive relationships with them those are some of the things i try to do so that they see that hey he's not asking me to do anything that he doesn't that he wouldn't do um you know he expects me to work hard he works hard he has good relationships with everybody on the team you know and they're not always going to be best friends or anything like that but they have to be able to work together and so hopefully those are some of the lessons that they take away in terms of being a positive role model in their student athlete's life
0: Yeah, I I think that one of the things that I've tried to do a better job around here the second time uh, body language, how I conduct myself on the sideline, um, you know, try to keep that calm uh, Brad Stevens esque demeanor uh, Mm -hmm. on the sideline, Uh, you know, to show kids how to handle adversity the right way. Uh, You know, things aren't obviously in any sport. Things are not going to go well all the time. Uh, and if they do, uh, you're really, really lucky. And actually, you're unlucky because then you're not going to learn how to handle adversity. Uh, you know, so uh, one of the things that we really try to do is we, you know, especially in the summertime, in the off season, we try to put in a lot of, and, and I've heard this phrase used before, and I hope I'm using it in the right context, uh, emotional deposits. Uh, we try to really, and it kind of deals to, you know, building up kids' confidence, but, you know, during the off season, that's when you can, you know, saddle up to a, a kid in the weight room and talk to him for a couple of minutes. Hey, how's your softball season going? Hey, how's the part-time job going? You know, things like that. You know, you get into the season, and, and sometimes it gets chaotic, uh, but building, you know, that's a great time to do it in the athletic context, obviously. Uh, the world's a little bit different than it was twenty or thirty years ago. Uh, we have more and more coaches that are not in the building but if you're in the building with your athletes, get out in the hallways and talk to your kids out in the hallways uh, you know you know what's going on in geometry class today uh, you know stuff like that and just make those emotional deposits to uh, to to show that you are, are there for them. If you're a teacher in the classroom, be a great teacher in the classroom, be the best teacher that you possibly can. Uh, I know there's been situations where uh, coaches don't work very hard in the classroom. And trust me, your players notice that. Kids notice that, that you're not working very hard in the classroom. And that Carries over into the field of play, uh, into your sport. Uh, they're not going to respect you as much, uh, and and I've seen it happen. I've seen it. I've seen it happen in multiple situations. So being that positive role model, being ready, being prepared. You know, Tony, I think you bring up a great point of being organized. Uh, you ask your players to come in ready to go, uh, ready to to practice every day. Uh, if you're at a summer league game at Kennedy, you expect them to come out and play hard. But if you just kind of show up and you're like, uh, you know, they're not going to respect that. They're going to figure that out in, in short order that you're not ready to go. Why do I need to be ready to go? So I, I think all of those things, um, by being a positive role model, you're showing them all of those type of things. Uh, show that you care. Show that you care. And, and I kind of went through that a little bit. You know, again, talk to your p- kids as much as you can about their life outside of your sport. Try to get to know them as a person. What else do they do at the school? What else do they have going on in their lives? Ask them about their, their siblings, uh, whether they're younger or older. Uh, you know, all of those different type of things I think are really, really important to show that you care about them more as a person than you do as like a basketball player or a football player or whatever it may be. And the kids really appreciate that stuff, Tony. Uh, and, and I know that you do that as well. Uh, what are other ways that we could show that we care about our athletes?
1: You know, and you kind of touched on this a little bit when you were talking about knowing about them and what else do they do at the school? You know, I try to make sure I get to some football games. I try to make sure that I get to some baseball games and different things along those lines. Um, We do a little Christmas party thing with them uh, where we'll do what we call a positive note. And they write their name at the top of a poster board or whatever. And then you've got to write something meaningful about them. And it's each teammate along with their coaches. And so I never knew really how much that impacted kids until you start going to graduation open houses and, there it is displayed mm-hmm. and so you know those are those are things that we do uh as far as stuff goes but just getting to know them showing up at their other activities besides the sport that they happen to play for you mean, um, it doesn't always have to be sports maybe they're in the play or something yeah um and then the other thing as well you know is just letting them know you know in writing not only verbally but in writing you know Things that you think about them in a positive way. That those those are some of the, the ways that I go about. Hopefully, it means a lot to our kids. But just showing them that I do care about them more than, than being able to put a round ball through a, through a basket.
0: Yeah, you know, you're you're talking about other activities, and a lot, a lot of times we associate it with athletics. You know, one of my kids that just graduated, very big into theater, and uh, she was in this big production. Uh, downtown last summer, and she basically uh, couldn't really hardly do any summer basketball stuff last summer because she was so into this production. But that's where her future. Is. She's majoring in in uh, theater in college and and that type of thing. And you know, I made sure that I went down and watched her perform because I knew it was important to her, and I know her and her parents uh, really really appreciated that. And and so those are things that you can do to to show your kids that you care about them. And, you know, it was a great play. She did a great job. You know, so that makes it easier as well. Uh, But I I think those are those are things that you can do as well. I love that you bring up, you know, go into their activities outside because, you know, you're 30 some kids uh, for your sophomore team. Basketball is not going to be number one for all of them. They're going to no. have other things that, that, that they like uh, more than basketball. We we have around twenty girls out for basketball, and we have more girls than we ever have had that basketball is their number one. But they're still doing other stuff. They're playing volleyball. They're involved in one act. Uh, you know, different things like that. So it's important to try and support them in those areas as well, and let them know that hey. I understand that you got to leave conditioning a little early because you got one act play. All right, get out of here, go, you know, that type Mm -hmm. of stuff. So, uh, I I think that's really important. So how do you build up their confidence, Tony?
1: You know, I think that goes into intentionally finding them doing things well, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and one of the things is pointing that out in front of their peers, you know, uh, One of the things that i talk about with our kids a lot is the world can be a tough place like it's not hard to hear kids putting down other kids just step out in the hallway for five minutes yeah and so there are times and we don't do it all the time because i think if you do it all the time it loses some of its luster if you will but put ups and one of the things that we we talk about with our put ups is yes we want to talk about how we as a team perform but one of the things I'll try to do from time to time is, hey, that's great. I, I loved how we pushed the ball down the floor and passed ahead as well. But who's someone that did well? And so, them hearing that from their peers can also mean a lot. And then I, I mentioned those positive notes too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just making sure that you 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 see them doing things well. And sometimes is, hey. I love the energy from our bench. We're in the middle of that eight nothing run, seeing people standing up and cheering for their teammates. But but things like that, and then for some guys, um, it means the world to them because you, you know they might not get a whole lot of opportunity in the game. But if you can catch them doing something well in practice, you know, just making sure that you highlight everybody, that everybody gets gets some attention in a positive way. That helps build up confidence, I think, both, you know, like I said, verbally and putting it in writing form as well.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I've really tried to do, especially in the summertime, is to embrace our mistakes and our failures, to show them that, okay, this is how we're going to take and this is how we're going to use this. Uh, you're in a summer league game and you're down 4 with 2 minutes left to go and there's a timeout. Hey, this is great for us. This is great for us because we're going to be here at some point during the season. So let's learn how we get through it right now. Or you're up 4 with 2 minutes. Okay, hey, this is great for us. Uh, you know, let's figure out how we're going to protect this lead. Uh, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, we we started out the 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 summer better than we ever have. You know, we we played really really well. And then we uh, hit a game where we played really, really poorly, and we lost. And I told my players, "Hey, this is good for us because we're going to lose a game. We're going to lose. We're going to lose games during the season. How do we bounce back from it? What did we learn? We've been very fortunate that we've won a bunch of games in a row to start our summer. Now that we've quote unquote lost a summer game, what do we do? How do we how do we react to it? How do we get better from it? You know, what what adjustments do we need to make?" And they responded very, very well to that. So I I think when it comes to building up their confidence, oftentimes we see failure as such a a lasting thing. Like, oh my gosh, we're just stuck in this failure situation. No, take that and turn around and build up their confidence by embracing those mistakes and embracing that failure and then how we're going to learn from it. And then when they do learn from it, wholeheartedly, positively reinforce that to build up their confidence that they can bounce back from those failures and, and keeping it positive, even though it's very easy to say, God, Billy, why did you throw that stupid pass? What in the world were you thinking? You know, so forth and so on. You know, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's the way we've chosen to embrace those things and we get better from it. I, I think we truly do get better from it by handling those things in a positive way, and a lot, uh, you know. I think that it's human nature to go, well, we lost that summer game, uh, forty-two to twenty to, to thirty-six. Therefore, we're no good. As opposed to, no, what can we take from it? What can we mine from it? That's going to actually help us because we've got to take everything that we do in the summertime and make it be something that's going to help us. Whether it's a a win, I mean, and I'm using air quotes, Tony, a win or a loss in the summer, or a good play or a bad play, we're going to get better because of it. Does that all make sense?
1: Definitely makes sense. You know, I know people get whatever with with phrases and stuff, but, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you take a look at, you know, when you can build up some of that equity. I know the next one that you're getting into is positive reinforcement. You know, on Thursday of, of last week, we were down, I think, 12, 14 points in the first half, and I called a timeout. I said, hey, you know, there's still a lot of game left, but we're at a critical stage here. Let's start to go here a little bit. And we were able to get it down to 10 by halftime. And we ended up winning by 14. And mm-hmm. that's some an equity that we've built up that when we get into the season, you can refer back to, hey, we've done this before. You know, we've got ourselves where the other teams come out, you know, hot and we were kind of caught off guard by it. We we can fight our way back here. You know, we've done this before, but just building in that positive reinforcement with them as well is something that, you know, because you're not just out there, you know, hey, we got to put a summer program together, let's just go out there and put the time in. No. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of lessons and stuff that you should be learning and that you should be emphasizing that you can build your deposits into for when you get into November in your regular season.
0: A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. Yeah, you're still developing a lot of your message for the season in the summertime and if you can walk away from your summer with a pretty good taste in your mouth both as a player as a coach as a program your kids are going to be excited about coming into the upcoming season you know there's hey yeah you know what we finished the summer on a high note and all of this was good and coach Viss is this and that and 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 he's great and man we had a great experience Let's get ready to go. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to get started in October and November. Uh, whereas, if you're if you're not a positive role model, if you're not showing that you care uh, during the summer, then it's going to be hard to carry that over into the season. Because you know just as well as I do, Tony, when you get into the season, you start getting pulled in every different direction as, as possible, and and it's it's even more important to be a positive role model during the season, to show that you care during the season. But in the same way, it's harder to do that because you have so many other distractions going on. And so, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to that emotional deposit thing in the summertime when you inevitably, and we all do it. You you will do it. I will do it. We will make a mistake in one of these categories. At some point, we're not going to be a positive role model. At some point, we're not going to show our players that we care about them as much as we truly do care about them down the line. But if you've made emotional deposits with your, with your players, with your parents, you can come back and say, Hey, you know what? I acknowledge my mistake. I hope you see that this is not truly who I am. Uh... I, I, I sincerely apologize. I, I slipped up here. Please understand that this, this, you know, it's not going to happen again type of a deal. Uh, I think that's important to emphasize as well.
1: 100%. You know, the, the whole emotional deposit, because you get in the middle of the season and you get squeezed a little bit more. Like right now, our schedules, you know, with being educators uh we're not teaching right now. And no. so it's a little bit more free. And so we go in and we're not worn down ourselves. And all of a sudden you get in the middle of the season and you've got this lesson you gotta get ready for and you gotta do this thing here and maybe you gotta do something with the media or whatever the case may be and things aren't going as well as what you need it to or want it to and then you kinda snap a little bit. And yeah, if you build up that emotional deposit, like you said, you can go back, hey I wasn't modeling it the right way. This is the way I should have done it. This is the way it will be done going forward. And like you said, you've got that that good good will if you if you will built mm-hmm. in there and the kids are more likely, hey, it was it's was okay coach. We all we all come up short from time to time. Um yeah, let's 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 just do it the right way going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you teach life lessons through athletics, Tony?
1: You know, I hope everything that we do is about that because I think that's truly the the biggest reason why athletics are there is to help teach life lessons because, you know, like we've been talking about, things aren't always going to go well. They're not always going to go smoothly. And that's kind of how life goes. Life is more like a roller coaster. It's not this, you know, flat, easy, smooth ride all the way across. It's not a case of, you know, If bad things are going to happen, it's a case of when bad things are going to happen. And how we model that, how we work through that with our players can teach them a lot about things. And then you can show, hey, if we work together and we work hard, we can accomplish things that otherwise individually we would never be able to do and again you're modeling that as being part of a family and families needing to work together to pitch in to do things in order to get things accomplished and then you know also helping them to realize it's not about you you know and there are times don't get me wrong that, that things are going to be about them like birthdays and promotions and graduations and different things like that but the vast majority of the time, it's not about you, and you can't make it about you because, with being a part of a family, you have to be others focused. And I think it, being a part of a team helps teach some of those life lessons. And again, those are just a few of the many life lessons that, that athletics teach in general.
0: Yeah, the uh, athletics mirrors life, and very much you know, on a team. We'll use our sport, basketball you're going to have probably on most teams one or two kids that are your leading scorers pretty much every night out. Uh, you know, if you're lucky to have a really, really balanced team, you're probably a pretty doggone good team. Uh, but when you get into a job, there's going to be one boss, you know, and, and there's there's only usually one boss uh and not everybody gets to be the boss. Not everybody gets to make the decisions. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times you have to roll with what's done and you may, you may agree with it, you may disagree with it, but you've got to figure out how to make it work. You know, things like that, those are things that we talk about all the time. Um, we, you know, we talk a lot about roles, not so much in the summer because we want to keep it open for our kids to develop their own roles to let it happen organically and then as we get closer to the season as we get into uh, especially the first couple of weeks we kind of leave that open-ended until uh, about the second week of practice late in the second week of practice then we really start narrowing down roles to give everybody an opportunity to establish their own role and then we kind of take a look at the uh, field and we say okay hey uh, and, and I've used this before on the pod we tell our kids we know uh, you need to know, accept, embrace, and excel at your role. And your job as the boss, so to speak, as the coach, is they need to know their role. Then it's up to them to accept, embrace, and excel at their role. And the same thing goes with with a job. You know, uh, you're you're going to have people that are janitors. You're going to have people that are going to be CFOs and CEOs and COOs. You know, y- you've got to find your role and you've got to do your best at it. And, and so we talk a lot about that. We talk about setbacks and how you're going to have setbacks in life. I believe you mentioned that Tony. So I, I, I think there's so many ways that you need to explain when good things happen, how this fits into life and when bad things happen, how it fits into life and how, again, um, the old Dwayne Wade commercial: get you know get knocked down seven times, get up eight. You know you got to keep getting back up, and I think that's some of the greatest lessons that athletics teaches us.
1: One hundred percent. You know when you were talking about roles, and in order for your team to be successful, everybody has to fill their role. In order for your family, in order for your business, in order for whatever other you know thing that you fall under. Everybody has to do their role, and I think those are all great lessons that you can incorpor- incorporate in there from from the world of athletics.
0: Yeah. Um, what about here? Are we 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 talked about a little bit earlier? The two lowest things on this um, on this survey were winning and and playing time, and you and I both kind of had a little bit of uh, a little doubting Thomas, I guess. Uh, about that, Tony? I mean, what do you think?
1: You know, I think winning may may be down there. You know, 4.2 out of 10. I understand that, but I think think most parents want their kids to experience success and winning more than they do losing. I just think 4.2 is a little low. The whole playing time thing, 5.7. You know, and and, and my, my point that I'm trying to make here... And again, I'm not questioning it. looks like it was Excel Sports that, that did the survey or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to say that they're fudging the numbers or anything. I just don't know if parents were being completely honest on that one. Because yeah. if you go back, where do coaches get the heat? Like you said, most individual meetings with parents have to do with playing time. So it's definitely higher than 5.7. And then coaches that tend to not be retained or, or asked to you know go a different direction or coaches that don't win enough you don't mm-hmm. usually see coaches who win state titles or conference championships or, or whatever the case may be asked to look elsewhere so I, I just i think their numbers they may be where they're at you know one of the things that mentions they engaging with the parents of student athletes that's the third to last one i would say this i think both those things are higher than that in most yeah. parents world you know, do they care if the coach talks to them no, not really. I think they probably care more. So, do they play Susie or Johnny, and do they win ball games? I think rank higher than that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, I don't know, just something I, I kind of question a little bit in terms of did the parents fill out the way that they really believed it was, or did they fill out the way that they think that it was supposed to be ranked? Yeah, if that makes sense.
0: No, no, I, I, I agree. And you can only go with the data that you get. And again, we don't know how this data was collected. What the, what the, I, you know. Uh, you're working on your masters. I've already got a master's. We know about data collection and different variables and all that fun stuff, yep. Tony. So uh, there's a lot of things that go into this. I, I, I think the the overall thing that one and and I really came into this into education uh, with this type of attitude. I, I think it's important as coaches that we try to remember. What we were thinking about when we were 16 years old. What were we like when we were 16? What did we want when we were 16 years old? And sometimes when you get 26, 36, beyond sixes, there, you know, we we won't get into the seasoned and experienced stuff there. But as you get farther away and you get those generational gaps that you forget that. And one of the things that I really try to keep in mind as I'm teaching, as I'm coaching, is try to remember what it was like to be 16. Uh, when I'm in the classroom, that kid probably, you know, he may not, he or she may really not care about the Battle of Gettysburg that day uh, because their their boyfriend just broke up with them, and that is the soul crushing experience that they're going through right now, and they think that. Uh, you know this is the worst thing that they're ever going to go through because this this boy or girl that they have dated for three weeks all of a sudden doesn't want to date them anymore and it's the apocalypse and and so forth and so on and the same thing goes with our athletes and, and so as we're coaching I think it's important that you keep that in the back of your mind that we' we're, we're we're dealing with, with young people who are not fully formed, who are not mature, who are going to make mistakes. Now, you still have to hold them accountable for their mistakes. You still have to uh, take care of certain situations. But keeping that perspective of, all right, Tony, what were you like when you were 16? Uh, what were you really thinking? What was going through your head? How you know What type of person were you? I, I think that's important to remember uh, as, as we go through this job
1: one of the things when I get would get frustrated with my own kids and my wife would go to me, you know, Tony, you know what you are like. And that really kind of solves it right there. Yeah. You know, I was like, Oh yeah, it was kind of a knucklehead. Probably still am. Um, <laughs> no,
0: no, I can rest assured you, you still are. Yes. Very thank much so. you, buddy.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, the other thing that you mentioned there holding them accountable, I think a lot of times it's how you hold them accountable. If you do it with getting them back in the right place, understanding with grace then I think that that means a lot more than kind of grabbing them by the scruff of the neck and, and rubbing their face in it, if you will.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I yeah. I, especially if it's a, a first time offender or something like that, yep. you know, so yep. good kid who just made a bad decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I want to in, in this part of the pod with this, and I've said this on the pod before uh, and my dad uh, very early in my head coaching career, gave me this quote and it's something that's that's stuck with me uh he said every parent loves their kid a little bit more than they love all the other kids and and no matter what the 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 parent is going to care it's very rare that you find a parent that cares more about the team than their own child even if it's just a notch below, you know, and that's just human nature. I mean, I get it. I'm not criticizing anybody for that. I've got three children of my own. I'm not saying that in a bad way. Uh, I'm absolutely saying that we have to know as coaches that uh, parents have a vested interest of they're there because their child is there, and therefore, for the most part, that's why they're involved with your program. So, I truly think that that is something that we have to keep in mind and that, yes, parents want that positive role model for their child. They do want you to know that you care about their child, You that they want you to build up their confidence because they love their child and they want what's best for their child. And I think that that is something that we need to keep in the back of our minds as, as we coach these these young men and women uh, in, in in whatever sport that you're coaching them in?
1: Most definitely. You know, just the fact that, you know, they have a rooting interest for one or two, depending upon how many they have on your team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you can get parents to chew to for the other ones, great, but do know that the, the trump card is their kid. That's, that's why they have a rooting interest. That's why they're there. They're not just coming out to watch some random group of kids play um they they want to see their their child have a great experience but like you mentioned the big thing is to be that positive role model in their in their kid's life
0: mm-hmm. want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers go to a pen and a, a great resource for any coach at any level in addition to our Appen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every Appen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. You know who's a positive role model in our life, Tony? Definitely Europe. Is without a doubt, it's Europe, Tony. I mean, there's... That's a no-brainer right there, buddy. So... It's a slam dunk. Uh, <laughs> a slam dunk, if you will, yes. All right, Mr. Viss, it is your turn for trivia. What do you got? All right.
1: So, the WNBA has had the most number of players score 40 or more points this season. Uh, Ryan Howard from the Atlanta Dream, and I hope I'm saying her first name correctly, is the most recent. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, it is a record. How many different WNBA players have scored 40 or more points this season? Six. Incorrect.
0: Too high or too low? You are too high. Oh, really? Four. Incorrect. Too high or too low? I can't give you that answer. Hmm, gee. (laughs) Let me think. Um five correct oh correct. wow i don't know how
1: you came to that but yeah it's <laughs> been uh five players uh the previous high was three that had happened in 06 08, and 2015 mm-hmm. um and then miss howard did it in 49 games she had played 40, previously. this was a 49th game uh which was the fourth fastest cynthia cooper took her 15 games i don't know if you remember the koopa loop oh she was uh, really good yeah, for the for the Houston Comics. And then Candace Parker was eighteen, still playing by the way. Yep. And Elena Deladon was the third fastest with forty
0: eight. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Good stuff. So uh got a question for you here, Tony. Yes, sir. <laughs> Well, there you go. It's time for this week in basketball. Uh, Tony and I thought we'd talk about the free agent winners and losers. Now, Tony, this could be individual players. This could be uh, teams, however you want to play here. So uh, I've got four or five winners here. I've got two or three losers here. Um, you want me to kickstart it, Tony? Yeah, I'm okay. like you're prepared. Ah, I, I am prepared. Uh, big winners. The Los Angeles Lakers. I thought they did a very good job in free agency. Um, I you know I think they've got a pretty good I, I think they have escaped the Russell Westbrook uh, quagmire that they were kind of in there. They have recovered nicely. Of course it helps that Austin Reeves developed really, really well uh, and they still got him for pretty cheap. Uh, like four for fifty-four, uh, which sounds a lot like the my teacher salary that I make, you know. So uh, that was a joke, uh, but a you know, really, really good contract there. I, I thought the Lakers uh, did pretty well. They they signed uh, Gabe Vincent from Miami. Uh, he's going to be just a, a really really nice addition to him. I think I, I think he's going to be better than Dennis Schroeder was. Uh, I think he's going to fit in there. I I. I, th- I as much as as much as it pains me to say it, because I'm not a big Laker fan, I thought they did a really good job.
1: I was also going to say the Lakers. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Schroeder, I think he went to Toronto, which I think you know, if you're looking at a loser, that would be Toronto, not just yeah, because they were Shooter went list. there, but they lost Fred VanVleet, and that's a huge downgrade from Fred yeah. to Dennis. Um, you mentioned uh, they kept. Uh, Gelo's back. They've got Austin Reeves. Like, they kept the guys they had to keep. Rui Hachimura was another one I thought that they had to keep. Um, you know, they lost some some guys, too. Like, they lost Malik Beasley. They lost Lonnie Walker. But I thought some of the other pieces they put in there, Cam Reddish, has a lot of potential. Uh, I don't know if Phil Handy can, can bring it out of him, but Phil Handy's one of the best in terms of, like, player development and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say the Lakers... Uh, were a winner. And then the other one, then you know, I'll go individual here that I thought was a winner. Fred Van Vliet. Holy yep. cow. Um, he got a ton of money. Not bad. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think Fred is undrafted. He was undrafted. I could <laughs> be wrong on that. Yeah. Yep. Um, But that that was a ton of money for a guy who shoots the three really well and is a defensive disruptor. uh, But for a guy, to to get the money that he got was was huge for Fred. Mm -hmm. And he'll be an adult on the Rockets team, which has a lot of potential, Mm -hmm. uh, but does need some adults on it.
0: I put down the Rockets – as well. I, I think that was a really good uh, a smart signing by the Rockets. I think better than picking up James Harden. I think that's a much better, much better option than James Harden. Uh I, I really think that um I kind of like the direction that the Rockets are going. They've they've got the, the green kid, they've got Jabari Smith, they've got the uh uh I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the, the center from Turkey. Uh, big, strong guy. Oh,
1: Sengun or something Seng- like that? Sengun. Um,
0: Sengun. There Sengun. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, like you said, now they have an adult in the room with Fred Van Vliet. Now, they did sign Dylan Brooks. I don't know how much of an adult he can be at times, uh, but hopefully that works out well. Uh, but I, I kind of like the direction that the Rockets are headed in. So, uh,
1: you I, know, I, I think a motivated Dylan Brooks isn't bad. I just felt like they overpaid them. Yes, you know, four years, eighty million. Yeah, for Dylan Brooks, I'm like, I think he could have got him for about you know four or five million less than that.
0: Yeah, yeah, per year. Yeah, yeah. Like I thought he would. I thought he was going to be fortunate if he got you know four for sixty. Like. That yeah. they, he would have been lucky. So for him to get four for eighty was, I don't know. Houston probably overpaid just to make sure that they got him. I would be my guess. So, um, you know,
1: and maybe they had to overpay to get him. The other thing I was I was wondering how close they were in getting Brook Lopez because if they got Brook Lopez along with Fred and Dylan Brooks, I thought they potentially could be a playoff team.
0: Yeah. Um. Actually, speaking of Brooke Lopez, I thought Milwaukee was a winner just because they retained most of their guys. Uh, I think you still have to remember that they won, I want to say, like 58 games last year, and I know they lost in the first round, but they still have Giannis. Brooke Lopez had a great year. Chris Middleton, I think, will bounce back health-wise. They got him on a, a pretty good contract, all things considered, especially based on his track record. Drew Holiday is still really, really good. And, and yeah. if I were them, I I wouldn't, you know, sometimes we overreact to a, a district final loss in our world or in the NBA, a, a playoff loss. We go, oh, we got to reach the, the The old Billy Bean thing, this is what we did for 162 games. We can't let a, a five- or a seven-game playoff reshape our entire philosophy. And so I like that Milwaukee basically kind of, you know, played the same hand uh, and that... They are going to kind of roll it back. I think it's the best thing to do with Giannis right now. And and then see if, um, and I can't remember their new coach's name, uh, see if the the subtle tweaks that uh, they roll out without Budenholzer being there, see if that helps them kind of step up to uh, another level.
1: Yeah, you know, if I remember correctly, I think their coach is Adrian Griffin. Adrian Griffin, yeah, I just looked it up. Nope, I just Um, looked it up. But I think that was one of the things that was kind of the consistency of free agency is that most guys, obviously Fred Van v- being an exception, went back to their teams. Like Draymond went back to his team, Middleton Lopez went back to the Bucks, and that was kind of the, the common theme throughout. Is that a lot of them are going back to their teams um, as far as far as that went. But I, I thought the Bucks were one too that hey, we're going to run it back. We've got good players. Maybe we just need a guy that's different that's playing the cards. And mm-hmm. nothing against Budenholzer. Obviously, they won the title under him. But even you know, with winning the title, there were times—at least the media made it sound this way—that maybe they won it in spite of him. Um, uh-huh. You know, as far as things go, and I don't want to question Budenholzer. I don't. I don't know him or anything. I didn't really follow, you know, his, his strategy and stuff like that. But you know, get a new voice in there let's see what he can do with the locker room. But, you know, you kind of got beat in a fluky thing where Giannis got hurt. Yeah. The heat got on a roll. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's the same kind of true of the Celtics in terms of, you know, obviously they made a move with Porzingis, but I just think if sometimes we're in this knee jerk thing, Oh man, it didn't go exactly the way that we wanted it. We don't win the title. Yeah. Let's blow this thing up. <laughs> but there are times to blow it up. Like I agree with Portland, Looking to trade Lillard, I think that's the right move because you know you got Scoot, you got Shaden Sharp or Shaden Sharp, you've got Anthony Simmons. Um, But I I, one of the things I I didn't agree with on them. This is where I was headed with as far as my loser goes. Jeremy Grant, five years, one hundred and sixty million. That seemed like a reach to me.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, I I I I agree. well, uh, yeah, Portland, big losers in in my yes. opinion. I, I think they're headed though. Um, I, I think they're headed in the right direction. I think Jeremy Grant, you, you got to pay somebody. They they decided to pay him. Um, they've got to figure this damn thing out. Um, and but I I think they waited a little bit too long with it. I I would have. Uh, perhaps blown it up a little bit earlier, I, I, and, and I understand why. I mean, there, you have the human element in it as well. But um, hopefully they can get the the what they need in the trade for Lillard. I think they're actually doing it. I, I think we talked about it last week, Tony. Um, I, I think this was the right thing to do. You're not going to win a championship in the next two or three years with Portland, and and so you need to start looking ahead to from where Dame is right now. So I put I put Portland as losers. So
1: if they handle the Dame trade correctly,
0: they can really. Set I could see up.
1: shifting it, yep. and I think the trade with Dame has to be three things. Number one, you have to get rid of Nurkic's contract with Dame. Yep. No matter whoever takes it, you're taking Dame and Nurkic. Number yep. two, you've got to get some adults. You have to get some guys that can help you because. You know, Portland's a young team. Like most of the guys I, I listed earlier, with the exception of Jeremy Grant, they're young guys. You've yeah. got to get some adults on that team that can help them. And then the third thing that and I think this is the most important thing to be honest with you, is you have to get draft picks. Yep. If you can do those three things, I could see shifting Portland out of the loser category. But right now I would I would definitely fit them in the loser category.
0: Yep. I would you know they. You know he wants to go to Miami. The team says we're going to do what's best for the team. I honestly think what's best for the team is uh, the trade with Brooklyn, and it's kind of a little bit of the best of both worlds. He gets to play with Mikhail Bridges. He gets to play in New York. That's great for him. I would be intrigued if I were uh, Portland, and I'm I got, I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I've got another loser on coming up here, uh, Tony. I would be intrigued to take a flyer on Ben Simmons. In that, if it works out, you've resurrected him. He's obviously very, very talented, but there's a lot of other things that are at work here. If it doesn't work out, his contract's off your books in a couple of years. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? You lose more, which means you get better draft picks. and Or you have the opportunity to get better draft picks. And you can match it up salary-wise, plus they've got the most to offer when it comes to draft capital because of what uh, the the Nets have done with their trades of Kyrie and Kevin Durant to these other franchises. They've gotten all these extra draft picks, so you can kind of consolidate a lot of that stuff and make it work for you. So that's that would be my number one if I was looking for uh, Portland because... Dame has said he kind of wants to go there, and they can give you the best deal.
1: The one thing I, I would disagree a little bit with, I don't know if it's New Jersey or not. Sorry, Brooklyn. I keep calling New Jersey is the best thing. I think the best one actually might be Miami. Yeah, for him, it's, why it's I say Miami. That
0: yeah.
1: is, you can get Tyler Hero. You can demand that you get Caleb Martin. I think those would be the adults. You can make them take Nurkic's contract. And then you could also get some of Miami's draft capital. And so I, I think Miami's a better fit in terms of what they can get. I just don't mm-hmm. know. You know, if you gave me a choice of Tyler Hero or Ben Simmons or, Ty- or Ben Simmons or Caleb Martin, I'm taking Tyler Hero and Caleb Martin over Ben Simmons every day of the week and probably twice on Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, and I agree with you there. I agree with you. But right now, if I'm Portland, I just want to stink. I want. I want to win twenty games. I want to try and get as high a draft pick. I want to get as many shots. I, I. I don't want to completely bottom out per se. I want to bottom out for like one year. Let these young guys develop, so forth and so on, and then start building it back up. Uh, that that would be. And if you get Tyler Hero, that could be the difference between you getting the number one or number two pick and the number seven or eight pick. You know. Okay. So that's that's where I'm coming from on that one. Because let me ask you this. Okay.
1: Controversial topic here. I'll,
0: I'll allow you to ask me a question, Tony.
1: What do you think of Dallas signing Kyrie for three years, one hundred and twenty-six million? Uh,
0: they they are in my uh, uh, they are my last loser. So how does that answer it for you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the reason why I ask that is, I think they had to, and I think Kyrie knew that he had all the chips because yeah. you can't lose Brunson and get nothing like what they did for him. And I, if you gave me a choice, you know, it was kind of like earlier. Do you want, you know, uh, Dennis Schroeder or Fred VanVleet? That's a no-brainer. And yep. the thing that I go through, do you want Kyrie or do you want Jalen Brunson? I want Jalen Brunson.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I w- it wouldn't just be a 10-foot pole that I wouldn't touch Kyrie with. It would be a 29-foot pole I wouldn't touch him with. I I just, I I think he's a wonderful individual player, but I think it was Don Meyer said, you you know, uh, uh, you you are who you are, and and you can you can say this, you can say that, but here is here is the, here, here is your history, and until you do something substantially to change it. Uh you left Cleveland in a worse place than what it was. You left Boston in a worse place than what it was. You left Brooklyn in a worse place than what it was. What's the common denominator? Uh you know, so I he to me he's radioactive. Uh I'm worried about building a team. I'm not worried about collecting great talent. I'm worried about building a team. And so far, uh he has not proven And and, yeah, I know he hit the shot. Those of you, I I know he hit the shot. I know he made the shot against Golden State, Uh, but that was LeBron's team. That was LeBron's team, and ever since then, it has been nothing but, you know, just whether it's big things or small things, uh, personal or professional, it's just it's just been toxic. So, and I'm I'm much more of the Popovich, uh, you know get over yourself. I'm not here to, to babysit you. I can't, I can't stay up at night worrying about, especially when we're talking about adults. And so that's my, that's my Kyrie take. So
1: Okay. Um, another winner. And then I want to ask you one more question. then I'll, I'm good with her, with her this week in basketball. But my other winner is Bruce Brown. Mm. Um, you know, you go from a guy who made just shy of $8 million a year, with the Nuggets, and he ended up over $20 million a year going to the Pacers. And I think he's going to enjoy playing with Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. um, you know, a guy that was 20 and 10 for the Pacers. Um, so I, I think he'll have, I think that'll be a really good. Th- really good uh, enjoyment fit for him to play with them obviously they're not going to win as much but here's the thing do i go back and play for seven million or do i get 22 million and set myself up for the rest of my life and so I, i i look at bruce brown as a really big winner that bet on himself and and came out on the right end of things
0: i had indiana on my list of winners as well tony i i like i think portland needs to copy what indiana's doing essentially you know, uh, you kind of, kind of bottom out a little bit, make a couple of smart trades to fit your market. Uh, they, you know, they retained Miles Turner after he was on the trading block for how many years, uh, kind of, uh, you know, so there, there's your kind of Jeremy Grant guy. Uh, they have Tyrese Halliburton. They got Benedict Matherin who had a really nice rookie year and he should be better his second year. Um, they they did a, a very strategic signing of Bruce Brown. They traded for Obi Toppin, which I've always liked him. Uh, nice. I mean, he's not going to be an All Star, but he's going to be a very nice role player. Long, athletic, can shoot the three a little bit. Really likes to get out and run. Halliburton's going to make him look better. You know. I like the direction that the Pacers are going in. Now, again, they're not in position. They're not in position to win the Larry O'Brien Trophy this year or even next year. But they're moving things in the right direction, and they've got a really good coach in Rick Carlisle. Um, so they they were on my list of winners as well, my friend.
1: You know, when they traded Chris Duarte, uh, he had had a really good rookie year, had a sophomore slump last year i think some of that was not playing with sabonis and they Mm -hmm. traded him to sacramento um the other thing that kind of jumped out at me a little bit they brought in some euro league guys uh sacramento got a i think a euro league mvp and then also oklahoma city signed a really uh highly decorated euro league veteran as well and so i'm interested to see how those guys uh hop in and play this season
0: yep yeah, those, you know, we obviously, uh, our, our European scouts haven't given us much on them, Tony. So we, uh, you and I personally are not very familiar with them. But uh, I, I think that's, you know, you know, Sacramento is, you know, that's a, a, a model Portland needs to follow. Again, just building through the draft and smart player acquisitions. You know, you're, you're not going to get durant to sign there as a free agent you're not going to get jimmy butler to sign there as a free agent so what do you do you build with depth and and smart smart moves forward thinking moves so um you ready for my question i'm ready buddy what do you think
1: of utah as a dark horse for lillard
0: i don't doubt it um i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna answer your question with another question and i think i had a trade worked up for this that i did not put on twitter how about dame to san antonio
1: he loves popovich and uh bobby marks who seems like he's on espn <laughs> 20, all the time now with the whole trade hours thing and the salary cap and all that yeah um had a trade worked out where he could go to san antonio the only thing i would say with that situation, I mean, you get him and Victor together. Um, I just, I mean, if Dame wants to win a title, I don't think the Spurs are the are the route to go. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yes, I figured out a trade machine success here. Uh, Omaha's own Doug McDermott and Keldon Johnson for Dame Lillard. Uh, the Spurs would go up eight wins with that with that <laughs> trade. So. Um, Another Dame trade that I had, uh, Trey Young for Dame up front. That would – Atlanta would have five more wins than what they had last year. Uh, The Clippers one, I thought that was interesting. Eric Gordon, now he's not – you can't have that anymore because he signed with uh, Phoenix. Um, No, wait, maybe he didn't.
1: Yeah, he did go to
0: Phoenix. He did go to Phoenix, all right. Uh, So I had him, Marcus Morris, and Robert Covington for Dame. Uh, la would go up 16 wins if that was the trade um wow. yeah so uh, that's according to the trade machine uh Ben Simmons Ben Simmons for Dame lillard now this is according to the trade machine Tony the Nets would go up 16 wins with Dame instead of Ben Simmons Hmm. so what do you what do you think of Phoenix I don't like it okay I I don't like it uh, I think Booker is awesome. Uh, he's so good. He is so good. He would start at Cedar Rapids Kennedy. A bench guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Durant is is great. Um, and I, uh, you know, I think those two guys are awesome. And then, but but I think I said it last week. Uh, Going back to 2008, we, we always talk about the, the big threes, and the big threes have not worked out as often as people would like to think that they do. Um, it, you know, kind of the, the best model is two stars and a bunch of depth, um, oh, you know, and, and that seems to be more consistent. Or if you're like a Toronto, they had one star with an uber amount of depth, with, I mean, Van Vliet, Siakam, Gasol, I mean, just loaded depth, Lowry, Um, you know, you go three stars, you have no room for real depth, and, 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 you know, when LeBron and Wade and Bosh won it, LeBron and Wade were at the peak of their powers. Well, Durant's not at the peak of it. He's still really, really good, but he's not at the peak of his powers, and he's injured a lot. Brad Beal is now no longer really at the peak of his powers, and he's been injured. you know. So uh, that's why I don't like it.
1: By the way, I know you had thought about Tyrese Maxey being in a trade with the Sixers. They have come out and said that he is untouchable.
0: Oh, wow breaking news on a pen and a napkin Tony Tyrese Max, I do. yeah it's what you do that's uh I gotta send some more Arby's coupons your way buddy <laughs> so you just got a pay raise so Sweet. <laughs> uh well hey all right let's 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 end on that here Tyrese Maxey, untouchable we're gonna wrap up episode 46 what parents want from their coaches hopefully folks got a lot out of this podcast uh I hope uh, people enjoy it here. Like I said, we're turning this around. This is probably the quickest I've ever turned around a podcast, Tony. This is going to be up and live in about a half hour. So uh, I'm going to be checking. Yeah. Yep. So uh, really, really good stuff. Anything to add here, Tony? I'll give you the last word.
1: You know, uh, I I just can't emphasize enough the importance of being a good role model for your players. Mm-hmm. I think that's something. If we didn't get anything else today, that's that's the that's the big takeaway for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And that'll buy you some time when you when you inevitably make mistakes. And we're all gonna make mistakes. Even seasoned and experienced guys like you and I. We're gonna make mistakes. And I make more than my fair share. Yeah, absolutely. You me as well. So uh folks, I hope you've enjoyed episode 46. Check out all our stuff at a pen and a napkin.com. We got a lot of good things coming up here. Uh, again, we're kind of flipping the script here this week. We're going with coaching staff on Monday, Thursday, or Friday, probably Friday morning. We'll have our interview podcast. Got some things planned for that. So should be really really good so coaches as always let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time